North American songwriter. We had the opportunity to talk to Kenny and Naomi of Prince George over Zoom video. Kenny and Naomi both actually grew up together. Their parents lived 10 minutes apart, and now they are happily married and in the band Prince George. They talk about uh, their individual journeys in music. Kenny went to Berklee School of Music. Naomi's mom was a vocal coach and a, an opera singer. So they talk about how they really got into music and how their parents were such advocates for them early on, even letting them, you know, live with them after college and really getting the band off the ground. They talk about having their song Victor go number one on Hype Machine, which is massive, grabbing the attention of record labels and management. They talk about uh, putting out their first couple of EPs, their first full length record, the latest album they've dropped, Happy Garden, which were songs that had been actually written couple of years prior to the release of the record and their brand new song, which we had a chance to premiere called Off My Ass. You can watch the interview with Naomi and Kenny of Prince George and myself on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're Bringing It Backwards with Prince George. Hello, how are you? Hi, hey, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this. Yes, thank you for having us. Absolutely. I'm very excited. Um, this is all about you and your journey in music and how you guys got to where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't know. How did we get here? Yeah. Who knows? Know. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, well, are you? Did you guys grow up together? Born or born and raised in the same area? Tell me about that. Yeah. So we we did. We um we're both from Prince George's County, Maryland. Okay. So that's what we named the band after, Prince George. And I grew up with um, my now brother-in-law, who's his little brother. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. We like, we're four years apart and I met Kenny when I was like 12. He was like 16. Yeah. And she was, uh, you're, you're creeping a little bit. I was trying to holla, you know, you know, what it is. You know what it is. um, but I was, I was really young. So, you know, he waited until I grew up and just the decent thing to do. Yeah. And, that's, that's uh, nice of him. I didn't, I definitely didn't make it easy. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're, yeah, we're from the same place. Our parents live like 10 minutes apart still. And it's a, uh, yeah, a, yeah. Simple, a simple tale. Huge uh, <laughs> network of, of family and friends that yeah, all in common and, yep. and stuff. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And how did you get into music? Um, yeah, well, um, I grew up playing, uh, taking classical piano lessons. Uh, and then when I was about, 15 um i just uh was sick of piano and i just wanted to play guitar so i just like pivoted started learning acdc songs on uh on guitar uh got really into like rock and metal for a while and then um started learning production um just at a i guess that was around like 2011 um started learning production was kind of just sick of trying to record everything all the time like in a studio having to rely on that for live drums and all that stuff we did start in a rock project as well so kind of pivoted from there to electronic music and then i don't know if you have anything yeah i mean i've been singing since i could talk my mom okay. is a opera singer and voice teacher oh wow. so yeah so i studied voice because she made me 
And, um, and then in college I was like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Sure. Um, and I figured I would keep, I've been writing my own stuff since I was like 11, but I figured I'd keep doing that on the side for fun, but I wanted to kind of pivot to the social sciences and build a career in psychology. So I majored in psych in college. And then my mom was kind of like, you know, you should minor in music. Like you should, you should continue to study and develop, you know, music and your, your craft or whatever. So I did, I listened to my mom, mother knows best. Here we are. <laughs> I don't use that. I've used the music minor a lot more than I've used the psych degree. So. Well, that's, that's good. Mom, mom was right. Mom was right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so she was um, an opera singer. So you, like you said, you, you grew up doing that, 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 did you learn how to sing opera? That must have been really interesting. I mean, difficult, obviously. Yeah, well, I'm, yeah, I'm classically trained. Um, it's never been the way that I sing, but I do have like a little bit of a vibrato to my voice that my mom also has, which I think is kind of like natural. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, I always kind of veered more towards like jazzy stuff and pop stuff. Um, but when you have that classical training, you can really do a lot more because that's sure. where you get your technique from, like breath support and sustain and all those things that kind of make you more of an athletic singer and a healthy singer. Those mm. are things that you learn, you know, from from classically trained vocal study. So I have a lot. I owe my mom a lot because she um, you know, I used to smoke and shit and like sure. talk really loud. Get some rasp. And, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I had a vocal, a little bit of a vocal injury in my early twenties, just from singing improperly and, and, you know, kind of singing loud in college with my friends when we would party and talking mm -hmm. loud and it just wears on it, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, my mom was really instrumental, uh, no pun intended in, uh, you know, getting, getting me to just be more aware of the way that I talk, where I talk, how loud I talk and, um, just take care of it. So, um, I think that's why I can still do all the things I can do because mm -hmm. she kind of instilled that in me. It's very much a blessing. <laughs> yeah. That's, I mean, I've heard that that really helps with like longevity and if, if you're touring and stuff, like people blow their voice out in the first like three shows cause they're not used and to I've it. I've never done that. I've never done that on tour. Like on tour, I have to sleep eight hours a night or I can't do what I do. And I just like shut the fuck up in the car all day until we get to the venue. You know what I mean? No like, that's talk to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what you have to do, though. I mean, when you're when you're really singing, I sing really high and I also sing low. Mm -hmm. So I have to be able to in order to do both. I have to just take really good care of it. Sure, sure. And, and Kenny, so you were you in a band prior to this? or uh yeah i um i was in several bands uh i went to uh berkeley college of music uh oh, so i was okay. in a couple Let's bands talk about there that. yeah mm -hmm. yeah uh so that's actually yeah i started learning uh, i i majored in uh music business uh there uh, at the time uh my parents really wanted me to do like you know business and i really wanted to do music so i was like this kind of fight for that yeah. um so works I, out I, with I, the I, band too i'm sure right uh, yeah, definitely. Well, actually, yeah. And especially, uh, I kind of stretched that truth a little bit after, um, when I was actually looking for, I put the whole band together initially, um, finding Naomi and later on, um, our drummer, Isabel, but uh -huh. I kind of had this flyer and it was like music business, uh, guy, like, you know, expert in bands and management. And <laughs> Which was a lie. It was a lie. They yeah. still make 
make fun of me for that now. But, um, <laughs> you gotta fake it till you make it, man. You gotta. Yeah. I, I always say a word to the end because you know <laughs> here we are. So. Well, our drummer Isabel, her sister, encouraged her to respond to this flyer on University of Maryland's campus that you know was just full of lies about all these things Kenny had never done and. Right. I was kind of like, whatever. Like, I didn't really Grammy award-winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and Isabel, our drummer, saw the flyer and was like, this looks really amateur. I mean, this band looks like a joke. I'm definitely not going to answer this. And then her sister was like, you know, you should just give it a go. and Just, sure. just call them. You know, you never know. So... I guess the rest is history. She still she still works with us. She's not here. She's in Atlanta now, but um, we'll be in the same place eventually. We're working it out. You're in, you guys are still in Maryland. We're right. in LA now. Oh, LA, right on. Okay. Yeah, yeah we, we moved here like a month before the pandemic. <laughs> that's awesome. I moved from San Diego uh, about a month ago to Nashville. So. Oh wow! wow. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Yeah, I was yeah. born and raised in San Diego. I know Southern California quite well. Nice. Yeah, we drove through Nashville on our way here, moving out. Got some hot you, chicken and what's that? Oh spot? yeah, there you go. Did you party take foul. party foul? Oh, oh my That's god! Our what? That's what? Our what? What level did you get? Did you I get go Nashville all the hot? way, baby? Did you really? <laughs> the like all the way I think up. We went medium. No, <laughs> I I go hot. Actually, I think maybe I got medium, but I got the hot sauce on the, on the side. I got yeah. it for okay. dipping. So it's I go oh. medium and then I dip it in the hot. So, okay. So I have a 13 year old and a, almost five year old on a Friday. Oh. And my wife and I, we all went there and we hadn't had, we, we'd been here for like a couple of weeks and we've had the chicken. We're like, Oh, it's awesome. But we hadn't had the Nashville chicken yet. Right. Yeah. So we're like looking it up. We're like, okay, party fell. Weird coincidence coming out of the door at Party Foul was Ryan Key from uh, he was a, uh, now I'm losing train. He's in Newfound Glory now, but um, oh, nice. Oh, funny. He, he was in Yellow Card. But anyway, so he's walking out the door and we're, we're we go in and the, the waitress is like, what? You know, the hot is like ridiculously hot and like the medium is hot. So. We're like, oh, we'll go Nashville hot. I think it was what it was called. <laughs> My son and I, we couldn't, like three bites in, he like gave up. And I'm just like, well, <laughs> I'm here. I'm going to try. And it was like the, the most painful experience ever. So now I know to go to like medium or even lower on, on the yeah. end because I didn't really realize how hot <laughs> Like Nashville hot chicken is. Like it's Yeah, if, it's I'm, ridiculous. if I'm not in pain, it's not hot enough. Yeah, I was like in, like literally in pain. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yep. we waited a while. I mean, it was busy. There was like a Tennessee basketball game on, so it was like packed in there. Yeah, and I'm and we waited a while, so I'm like, I'm I'm just gonna fight through this. But it was intense. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a hat. I have a party foul trucker hat because I love Dude. hats. Oh, and cool. I bought it on our way here, moving here, and then I traded it with my roommate. He really loved it. So he gave me his Persian Pink Panther T-shirt, and I gave him my party foul hat. We did oh, a very cool! But I'm gonna order there. another one because they've got really cute merch. Well, next time you're in Nashville, yeah, get, grab a hat and cruise on by because it's pretty close to where we're yeah, at. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, um, so, okay, back to you guys. How did tell me about Berkeley? Because I, I've, I've interviewed a, a lot of people that have attended Berkeley, and they all have a different story. And yeah. it's either, um, yeah, like at this point of when I, you know, when I 
went there it was just like you just walked in and they didn't care or it was like it was gnarly you had to like you know sight read on the spot and like bring like yeah. 17 songs and like so tell me about your I had a, experience that was i had a teacher so i mean notoriously guitar players just cannot sight read for shit and uh is that what you teacher, went in as guitar player uh, i did i did okay. i actually went um i went for the summer program first so i sure. actually had like a professor there like train me specifically for the audition which was really oh. helpful okay. uh, so he was like these are you know kind of the so i feel like i had a definitely had a leg up there because it, it definitely was a rough audition but um yeah and i had a professor too that was like uh you'll never be in a band with this, these sight reading skills <laughs> so like i just gave i just started laughing in the middle of it because i was just messing it up so bad but um i think you, you just have so many uh different kinds of people and musicians at berkeley so you can kind of make make uh make it what you want um sure. there's a lot of you know there there are still a lot of uh really kind of intense jazz musicians there and then there's mm -hmm. the more i think actually now they they opened it up to like actually like production you can audition um with like ableton production skills now oh, that's so because cool. a lot of people really want to just go either for business or like to learn production engineering so mm -hmm. um yeah i think they're kind of like making it a little more inclusive to that That's now. interesting because I just like the last person that I interviewed, this guy Max Leon, he went there as well and he said the same thing. He's like, I went in as a guitar player, but all I wanted to do was learn Ableton and production. Yeah. So he was just doing that on like YouTube instead of That's like. What I did, <laughs> I did the okay. same thing. Um, I, I uh, yeah, I would go into the, they had like these computer labs with like logic set up and like a keyboard. So I just like, I started like, I was studying business, but really I was just like learning production on my own. And then, uh, yeah, even like after the fact, uh, I went back home after Berkeley. Uh, I did an internship out here in LA at, at uh, ASCAP. Uh, oh, and then cool. I was like, I really want to start a band, like, and people are kind of like, you're crazy or whatever uh, at that job, but um, still supportive, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but also you're crazy. Uh, so I, I went home uh, to my parents' house and I learned on YouTube for, you know, in the basement for two years, basically. And I taught oh my God. production. And so you left you left L.A. at, at the left internship to move back to Maryland. Yeah, and, I is did. that so when I, the band started? Like, yeah, okay. we I was home for Christmas from college. It was my senior year of college. I went to school in Chicago. So I was home and, you know, back home, everybody comes home for the holidays. That's just like right. a thing. And um, we all kind of hang out. And so I was home and Kenny and I started hanging out and making music and um, we started writing. I was just home for that month. And then I had to go back to school. Um, but at that point, we'd already kind of had a couple conversations about like, yeah, like, let's start a band. Why not? You know, I just have to finish school. So um, I went to finish my senior semester, which was you know, always, it's, it's always hectic at the end. And um, so I was pretty busy, but I was still going in the practice rooms at my school and kind of FaceTiming or Zooming, whatever the hell we used to do. What was that? I don't even um, know. Skype? Maybe it was FaceTime. Maybe it was FaceTime. Yeah. But I would bring my computer and be in the practice rooms and we would just like talk, send ideas back and forth. Um, mm -hmm. I would just record my own vocal in like GarageBand over whatever he would send me. And then I'd send it back and yeah, that's kind of how we And that, is that kind of how what became y y the band and everything from there? Well, we were a rock band at first. So the tracks were a lot more guitar heavy and bass heavy and um, just more rock, just sonically. Mm -hmm. Even the production was more rock. 
And uh, that's when we met our drummer. That's when he had posted that ad. Um, okay, so you so knew about the ad. You were, you, were you aware of the ad? I was aware of it. I didn't know what it said. He uh, told okay. me about the flyer. I didn't know how she <laughs> Yeah, was. I think to, like, tie, yeah, to tie all this together, like I, I had started looking for like a singer basically. And so I, I posted these flyers up in like multiple cities <laughs> and on like multiple Craigslist accounts. Just, how like, did you, I how did you, you drew, did you like tour yourself and drive around and like put these flyers that did these college campuses? I literally campuses? taped yeah. it up around a tree. That was like a low point. Around a tree. <laughs> that and, was uh, a low point. And, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I was really determined to like find. I don't think you can call it a low point since that's how we got Isabel. That's true. That's true. Well, the tree was, but anyways. So. <laughs> was it well, real quick? Was it one of those things where you had to rip this like the number <laughs> off of it? Like uh, it was definitely like one of those. Things. Yeah, where yeah. it was like you pre-cut. Like, and it was yeah. like somebody like ripped it off. <laughs> yeah, I think Isabel took the whole flyer. Down. Yeah, she <laughs> oh, was, she's smart. She didn't want any competition. Down. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But yeah, we were in a five-piece rock band with her, the two of us, our friend Ben, who was on bass, and then my brother-in-law, Eric, would come play guitar, like a second guitar. Um, and then we were a band for like six months. We played just a couple shows in D.C. And then nobody's schedules could get together. And Kenny and I were kind of tired of waiting on people. Everybody was kind of in a different phase of life. Like, Isabel was still in, like, in her senior year of college when she started working with us. I had just graduated. So Kenny, you know, had been in his parents' basement for two years learning production. We were kind of ready to like, you know, do it for real and not just as a hobby. Um, and we just needed like some commitment and we weren't really able to get that from our bandmates at that time. So we kind of were like, all right, like, why don't we just pivot to doing like a side project where it's more like just production and vocal. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when we launched Prince George. And we moved to New York. So we launched it there um, in 2013, 2013, yeah. the summer of 2013, we moved there. And then we dropped our first single in fall of 2014 uh, on SoundCloud. And okay. uh, is that children was, in the audience? Children yeah. in the audience. Good for okay. you. Wow. Um, that track. Wow. Uh, my, my favorite thing is, uh, well, that, that was, of course, our first song ever. But Naomi's dad always says, <laughs> It's, it's a good song. Not a great song, but it's a good song. <laughs> so I always think of that. Whenever uh, something's like, you know, like like you have some food or like you see a, a blouse or something in the store window and you're like, oh, that's cute. But it's like, you know, not amazing. We say good, not great for my dad. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Good, not when, great. When, when did he start going, this is great. Not just good. Well, everybody loved Victor. That <laughs> yeah, was our second okay. single. I don't know that we'll ever live that down. Yeah, he really loved that. <laughs> um, and he likes the new stuff too. He's sure. he's all about the new shit, which okay. I appreciate. But it, he he turned at Victor. That was yes. that, that yeah. was his turning point in the band when he, he when he became a fan officially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. And all the lyrics and all the production yeah. swells. I love this part. Yeah. So. <laughs> That's that awesome. Was. So, so after you put out, um, well, that was on your first, what EP, the self-title, is that an EP? Yeah. We didn't even put the EP out until like a whole year later when we oh, were, wow. um, kind of working with management for the first time, old, our former management. Well, tell me about how that process began. So like you had the song out, did you start playing around, uh, the area? Yeah. Like the song came out, we'd been in New York for like two or three months only at that point. I was a nanny for two little girls. Kenny was doing children's entertainment 
And we put the song out and then it blew up. So it went number one on Hype Machine. Um, <laughs> we started getting all of these like, I mean, I was answering 30 emails a day and then going to work. You know what I mean? Every day. Um, running from meetings to get my kids like from work to meetings for like six, six or eight months, just trying to build the team. We met with all these labels. We met with a lot of industry people and, you know, let them take us out to dinner and listen to the spiel. And um, we started to get <laughs> opportunities. Our first opportunity was with um, this director, Till Schweiger. He's a German director and also an actor. He was in Inglorious Bastards. Okay. I know the film. <laughs> yeah. He played uh, Hugo Stiglitz. The German Nazi killer that they break out of prison. Oh, sure, sure. Okay. So yeah. that's Till, and he's he's a oh, buddy he's a of ours. Music manager, he's, too. Interesting. He, well, he's just been a champion of ours like since the very beginning. Um, we love him. We've spent a lot of time with him in Europe, uh, which is a long story, but um, yeah, no, we still are are working with him. He he likes to use our music in his movies. That's and amazing. He's just a big fan and he also like we'll send him stuff sometimes like new shit and just be like, what do you think? And he'll give us his two cents. Mm -hmm. um, he's a great dude and, and he's really passionate about music. So he was our first like that was our first like licensing uh, opportunity was with him, with wow. his production company back in 2014. And we're still working with him like that's actively. crazy. Now. That's amazing. Yeah. So I know. Um, so it's kind of it's always a series of events like it's like individual people that sort of champion you from uh -huh. the get-go. Um, and it's also, obviously it's the fans who decide what's good and what's not. Sure. Um, and it's just kind of been a series of things that have led us to this point, which I'm not sure what this point is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we're well, just I'm... about to put out a shit ton of new stuff and we're yeah. about it. I did. I have heard one of the new, the new single and it's, it's amazing. So I just want to hear that. Yeah. Uh, but I want to get to this. I, I want to get to the single, but I'm very curious on this uh, hype machine. Number one. I mean, that's so huge to have that. I mean, at that time, I don't even, is hype machine. I'm sure hype machine's still a big deal. It's not really what it was. No. Like, I feel like we were one of the last SoundCloud bands to be perfectly honest. Like there weren't even pictures of us on the internet when Victor blew up. Okay, because like Quinn ninety two came out of that same realm. He he got his thing. He had a song that blew up on. It was number one on High Machine at the time. That was like, you know, yeah. this huge ordeal. So like that, I, I think that's kind of like what is that like the new? That was kind of like how Spotify is now. If you if they see a song popping off on Spotify or TikTok, yeah. it's like, oh hey, were you getting exactly. so that? Must, that must have been kind of a similar feeling. Like I mean. Were you watching it climb on Hype Machine and being like, what we is were, happening? we were just because um, all of the blogs started to write it up. So I was reading the reviews. I was like, wow, there's like another one and another one and another one. And, um, you know, for a song to go number one on Hype Machine, it has to all happen like pretty quickly. Yeah. And it, and it did. So, I mean, yeah, we were keeping track of it. It was five, it was four, it was two, and then it was one. That was a really big deal in 2014. I don't think it's as big of a deal now. I mean, like you said, TikTok and Spotify, they've kind of replaced um, what Hype Machine was. And honestly, a lot of blogs just don't cover premieres anymore. Like they don't do premieres anymore. A lot of the bigger ones that, you know, you would try to get your, your press team to cover. 
sure. six years ago or eight years ago just aren't even doing premieres anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, now it's like, if you're not new, if you're not fresh meat or you're not huge or have some celebrity connection, they don't really want to cover you at all. Um, we're working Which with, so a unfortunate, really great, you know, it, it like, sucks. Yeah. Because there's yeah. so many great bands that just kind of, yeah. yeah, they get thrown under the radar and it's like, yeah. Or like right. they'll it's give like a TikTok to- moment to some kid who has one song out and then it's like, mm, okay, and now what's he going to do? Or he, exactly. she, what are they, they going to do? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. And I think that the tastemaker blogs still exist. It's just for whatever reason, it's become so difficult to connect with them as an artist. Um, we're working with an awesome press team now who we love and, you know, they're just really good about, connecting with tastemaker blogs and knowing where to place you. I think, you know, press has become kind of a racket and a lot of artists, I know a lot of artists and we were operating from the same mentality of like, why would we hire a press team? Like they don't even understand how to get press anymore. You know what I mean? Because everything changed and and everybody's got to play catch up. And so it's like, it just, everything becomes about Spotify playlisting. And also like, how many famous friends do you have? You know, who can how you attach influ- the name yeah. to? Who many, how many influencers do you know? How many or- influencer right. friends do you have? Yeah. I mean, like, it's really, it is unfortunate, but there is a way around it. Um, I think that we're just kind of figuring it out and we do have an excellent team now. Um, yeah, and we've gotten a lot of really great like uh, reviews and, and write-ups uh, for this last album too yeah. from some some blogs. I think it's just like the landscape has changed so much from like you said the SoundCloud. It was kind of like you just get a big blog and then all and then everyone else comes around and you know you get pushed to hype machine and it was kind yeah. of more streamlined and now it's you know all these different kind of ways of of hoping to get traction. It just seems like there's a lot more gatekeepers on the bigger outlets that used to cover new artists, emerging Mm -hmm. independent artists. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like a lot of them just won't, unless you somebody that works there. And even so (laughs) it might not happen. Sure. I don't know why that's just kind of what we've seen and experienced. Yeah. And I know it's what a lot of our friends have experienced in the industry as well. Yeah, I'm not sure. It may, it's more of the gossip news you'll see. Yes. And, uh, instead of the, hey, check out this me- this rad new band. Because right. a lot of people will find that just on a Spotify playlist. But exactly. Like said, but, but there's gatekeepers on there. It's like, how do you get yes. on the, the New Music Friday playlist? Right. <laughs> you can't probably just submit your song and it has, you know, 30 plays on Spotify. And I could be like, you know, what? this is a great song. I'm going right. to give it a chance. I yeah. mean, it's kind of hard. I mean, I. Yeah, this is a really celebrity obsessed culture, you know, and, and I think it's really impacted the music industry um, a lot. I, I have hope, though. I, I really think there's just so much cool music that's happening right mm-hmm. now. We just need to figure out how to get it into yes. the right channels so that, you know, we can just get more ears on it. Sure. Because we know so many talented artists that, you know, don't, you know, that a lot of people don't know about that, mm-hmm. you know, no, it would yeah. be great if people did because they're <laughs> Right. Especially right now when no one's out touring or you can't throw one of your friends bands or not friends, but like a band that you guys like and put them on a tour with you and right. expose your fan base to, to them. And it's just like a weird, weird time that we're in currently. But um, sure. absolutely. 
Well, with, okay, so you get this, you know, you have this song goes number one on High Machine. You have major major labels, I'm sure, other labels calling you. What was that like? Was it overwhelming? Was it like, well, like we're going to be, you know, famous rock stars? Like, how, what was your mentality at that point? It was definitely weird and overwhelming for me. I, I've never really wanted to be famous or big. I really value privacy and anonymity. And I think that, like to want respect for your work is different than to want to be right. everywhere. Sure. <laughs> um, and um, I've, you know, I've had the same like group of friends my whole life. And so I've always had validation, you know, mm -hmm. in that sense and support, um, real support. So I wasn't really looking for that either. Um, but I've realized, you know, in the last uh, couple of years that, if you don't really aim for the stars in this business, you're not even going to get close to living comfortably doing this full time because it is so competitive. Oh yeah. So it's like, if you don't really, if you aren't willing to like take it all the way, it's kind of like, what's the point? You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. you better have your nine to five set. Cause you're not, gonna, <laughs> I mean, seriously. So that's what I've kind of realized is, you know, I've definitely been like, I'm putting everything on the line now. Like I don't, I'm just like, here we go. I'll do what I have to do you know, to get us to the next, to the, to the next level, you know, obviously maintaining dignity and integrity, but just in terms of, yeah, I don't do that whole, like, Oh, well, I don't really want to be like huge. Like I used to go into meetings and say shit like that. Like, I don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They were looking right. at me like, bro, what do you want? What are you trying to do? Yeah. Um, and I think just to add to that too, like, uh, I, I feel like the biggest, uh, part of that, like our first show we ever played was like a month after Victor was, you know, hype machine number one. And, all the, basically like our first show had like 200 people there, probably at least half um, labels, industry. people, industry people industry just got away. And, stuff. and yeah. we were definitely not, we our live ready. show was not ready for where, you know, Victor was and where that was going. So I feel like um, it was definitely like a lot of pressure. And I feel like that can happen to a lot of artists that kind of blow up off one song overnight. It's like, you have to have so much, you know, there um, ready with your live show, your branding and everything like ready to go. And if it's not, then you kind of get put into this weird middle ground um, of like, there's potential here, but you're not like quite ready. realized yet. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like we were, I mean, we, we did actually, after that, we did end up um, getting a uh, management and a booking agent. So we did, uh, you know, we bounced back after that, but definitely is like, a, was like a lot of pressure at that point. Um, we also lived with our parents for a really long time. <laughs> um, so that we could be in a position to make, to say no to things. Uh -huh. And that's a huge privilege. If you don't have parents who are going to let you just like live at their house while you figure out your music career for a few years, you know, you, you just take a lot of people just take the first deal they get, you know what I mean? It's like, oh, well, I don't have a lot of rights in this deal and it's not right. That I got to say yes to this because I don't have another option. Yeah. Uh -huh. All three of us, Kenny, Isabel and I come from families that value music, that yeah. appreciate music, that respect what we're doing, even when they've been worried, even when they've looked at us and gone, guys, what's the backup plan here? You know, <laughs> they've still allowed yeah. us to, to dream big and, and helped us out in any way that they could. That's um, amazing. So... Yeah, I mean, that in and of itself, we were able to say no to a couple things that would have really, you know, not been good for us long term. Mm -hmm. You know, we own all the masters to our music. 
Wow. You know what I mean? That's, yeah. So that's it's like, huge in itself nowadays. I well, mean, you exactly. have like Taylor Swift going and re-recording records because of right. it. Right. That's how the major labels play, you know, and, right. and that's how they play. And we said no. And, um, you know, maybe we would have had a bigger publicity push in the short term. Uh, but in the long term, we would have had so much less control over everything. And uh, we decided that that was not worth it. And now we've been able to build something organically over time that feels real. And um, we know our fan base. I've I think I've done a pretty good job in weeding out, you know, the bigots and the racists and uh, the transphobic people because I don't want them at our shows. Mm -hmm. um, so that's the kind of stuff that you get to do when you when you do it yourself and you're patient and um, and you're in a position of, of privilege that you can live with your parents while you figure it out, you know? Sure, sure. Well, after that whole like, you know, spike and people, all this attention you guys had, you, you didn't end up signing to a label. No. You got, but you did take on management. You took on a booking agent. Did you, because you had this buzz going on, like, did right. you like take advantage of it as far as like doing a tour or like, did you, is that when you put the EP out? Like, tell me what was like the next step? Yeah, we did. Um, we did a bunch of touring in 2015 and 2016, especially. Okay. Um, was that with the so, Airborne EP around that yeah, time? Or so that was, uh, that was actually, um, the was, Airborne EP was uh, 2018. Uh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, over. yeah. That was later. But that was okay. like our um, EP and then our uh, full release uh, LP, uh, Illiterate Synth Pop. Uh -huh. uh, our first EP had Victor on it. Yeah. Okay, yeah, the self Was it the self-titled? The self yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we did a tour with Albert Hammond Jr. in 2015. Oh, wow. That's huge. It was quite it was quite a way to start. Yeah. And um, <laughs> oh, wow. He and his wife are so sweet and they yeah. were so good to us. And we actually like um, we saw them. They just had a baby. We we saw them in Berlin uh, when we were there. We went to one of their show or to, to Albert's show. And um, his wife, Justina, does the lights. Oh, so, cool. They brought yeah. us like backstage after we were with our babysitting kid and she got to meet them. And it was just so cute. That's amazing. Um, yeah. So they're, they're really good people. That was quite a, quite a special way to start. And then in 2016, we did Austin city limits and toured with Louis Del Mar. Oh, wow. Some, yeah. That was kind of crazy. We did both weekends at ACL and then two late night shows. So we opened for local natives and cold war kids in between our two weekend shows. Oh, wow. And then we, then we went straight on tour. So we finished out the next weekend and literally drove from Texas to Michigan and started the tour um, with, with Louis Del Mar. And we were on the road with them for like, I don't know what, three months, two and a half months or something all over. Um, and that was a lot of fun too. We ended up ending the tour in San Diego, actually. Oh well, yeah, at the, the Casbah. The Casbah. The Casbah, the best venue yeah, in San Diego. <laughs> that's amazing. I, that's, I love that venue, that place. Yeah, it was so special. great. Oh, it's it's so great. It's just like, yeah, so many amazing bands have played there like over the year. I mean, Nirvana played there, which is crazy. That's, That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> those are my favorite places to play. Like yeah. those cool clubs with all that history and mm -hmm. they're the best. It's the last one, I think, in San Diego. That I mean, it's Soma was a big one because they kind of launched like Blink and stuff. But that right. venue has had like nine different variation it's moved around san diego like into different spots so like the original one isn't there but the casbah is still the same same casbah 
pretty That's crazy. amazing. Yeah. So, well, tell me, okay, so you get up, like, you put out the, the Airborne EP in 2018, and what was, did the shows get bigger? Were you headlining tours now? I mean, you, you got to support acts. Like, what was the, the next step and the kind of the milestone moment on that record? Uh, we didn't do any touring that year, actually. That was kind of a weird year. We weren't really feeling our leadership at that point. So we were kind of feeling like we were at a bit of a standstill. We tried working with a label, um, for like short term, just for that EP. Uh, it didn't really work out. We just felt like our team was just really lackluster. And, um, so we kind of put that EP out. I would say the high point of that EP actually was that, um, we were working for, um, some actors at the time, my old boss, uh, and we were mentoring their daughter in music. She's a talented little singer songwriter. And they asked if we would come to Europe while they shot two different movies for the summer. And turns out one of the movies they were shooting till Schweiger was directing. Oh, and wow. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Cause we'd already agreed to do it. And uh, had no idea that Till was involved in any of the, you know, stuff that my old boss was doing. And so he, of course, was stoked when he found out that we were going to be there. So that's why we spent like a whole summer with him. And he ended up putting like three of our songs in in that movie. So um, that would have been the high point was like going around for this movie and babysitting for these for these actors that I used to work for wonderful, wonderful family. And, um, just that was, it was quite a ride. That was probably the high point was that summer. Uh-huh. Um, so even though we kind of had lackluster leadership at that point, you know, we still were able to get, you know, all these songs in this movie and travel the world, you know, it was, it was pretty spectacular. Yeah. That is amazing. That is a really amazing. And then what about where were you guys when this, cause you put out, you just put a record out, right? Happy garden. We did. Yes. And we actually have- made we made that album Happy Garden in 2018. So that was another high point was making that. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, I think like around 2017 was kind of like we were kind of just reassessing like our team and everything. And also just like as well as like our, our music and our sound, we were kind of like uh, we're kind of doing the same song over and over again. And I think it was really actually a crucial time for us to like take to like uh, experiment. And that was like really largely Happy Garden. We wrote that with our um friend producer uh joey Verscotti. um so we wrote that in 2018 as well in brooklyn um but that was really a, an opportunity to try some new sounds and kind of like refocus and kind of see where the future is going as far as like yeah. music and it was kind of also the beginning of us understanding the value of collaboration mm-hmm. uh, with other artists because it wasn't really something we were doing before this experience with joey with Verscotti. And it really unlocked something in us. And then around that same time, um, Carnage, the big EDM producer, mm-hmm. hit me up and was like, hey, do you guys want to do something? I really like what you guys are doing. And wow. had, we had, had we had not done that album with Joey, I don't know that we would have felt comfortable saying yes. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. we were very kind of in our own little, you know, bubble and and just kind of like reluctant to collaborate before that experience. Sure. And, um, after that experience, it was just like something clicked of like, oh, this is what we should be doing. This is who we are. Like mm-hmm. we work really well with other artists in different genres. It's, it's fuel for us to grow. And we usually end up making really exciting, fun stuff when, when we collaborate with people who are doing something totally different than we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fun and it's rewarding. And then we're just not, we're not just arguing the whole time, you know, and, <laughs> 
we're married and obviously, you know, so it's good for us to do that, to step out of the Prince George kind of orb and, um, and let the right ones in. And so I think, yeah, 20, 2018, 2019 were largely about collaboration. We did a ton of stuff with carnage in 2019, um, came out to LA, worked with him a lot, stayed with him in Vegas, wrote a bunch of shit with him there. Um, so yeah. Yeah. That was the, um, we I did, think that uh, brings us to present day, 2020. Yeah. Well, I was curious. Yeah, like, like, like 2020. Started. Yeah. So, so, so you have this record ready or yep. you finish it and yep. then the world shuts down. And exactly. yes. <laughs> then what? <laughs> then what do you guys do? Start writing more new music? On more music, just, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, we wrote a bunch of new stuff. Okay. And um, kind of just waited it out. Yeah, and I guess in that time frame also of like uh, all the, the carnage that we wrote, um, Letting People Go, we wrote the song um, and send it to him. And then, you know, a year later, he produces it, Diplo remixes it, yeah. plays it at Coachella, which was a really cool moment. And then wow. we, we all, uh, yeah, that that was like, it was kind of a, a weird time for us. So it was yeah. like cool to feel like these collaborations, things, moving. things moving yeah. forward. And then we also wrote the song with him in the studio that ended up being Wait For Me featuring g and Wiz Khalifa on it as well. So um, doing these kind of collaborations with him. And That's why you that, do them. So that yeah. if you have a weird year, your music lives on and keeps growing and moving. Mm-hmm. Well, you so know, through other like, Yeah, is that why you guys waited on uh, Happy Garden to release it? Just because it was like, okay, well, now what are we going to do? We can't really tour it. Right. Well, it was like we started releasing uh, singles from the album uh-huh. in... 2019 in like fall of 2019 then we moved here in january or we got to la february 1st 2020 so by that point, <laughs> perfect timing yeah. right. <laughs> so we got here we built a studio in our house we renovated our space um moved into our house with our roommates and then made a music video for garden in the sky okay we did all that in a month and then the world shut down so by the time like you know, we were putting out the video and stuff. Everybody was just like, it just was not a great time to put out music <laughs> mm-hmm. right. for videos. You know, there was just, I mean, we were in the middle of a pandemic and um, there was a lot going on. And um, so, you know, we kind of took our time rolling it out. Mm-hmm. Um, we were also looking for other members to add to our team. We were looking for other ways to, to make money, you know, um, songwriting and, licensing we were kind of trying to figure all of that out um so we kind of took the year to make new music and add people to our team and yeah i think we did a pretty good job our manager is amazing our our manager that we're working with now and um we just feel great about everybody that we're working with and it takes time sometimes you know to just find those people that are the right fit for you Mm -hmm. so i do think that was a blessing um even though it was a weird year, 2020, we were able to just kind of really be, be selective about what we wanted to build and who we wanted to build it with. We took mm-hmm. the time to do that. That's amazing. And so since you've been, you know, everyone's been stuck inside, you guys have been working on new music and you have a new record coming out called Off My Ass. Do you want to talk to us about that one? Like, tell me about <laughs> that, that song. And like, when was that written? Was it all during this whole quarantine COVID mess? Yeah, um, we wrote that uh, New Year's Day, right? The day after New Year's Day. Um, it was 2021. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. 
uh, it was like a, a rough year. I, um, I had an accident. I, I broke my foot and I'm sorry. Um, Ouch. It's okay. I cut my arm open. I'm trying to get uh, into my um, into our house. I was locked out. I didn't have my phone. I thought I'll just hop this fence. Didn't work out. Um, so anyway, it was kind of a weird. I'd never been injured before, and so the just kind of the rehab from that and the the things that you have to go through mentally to sort of just get yourself back, get your body back. Um, mm-hmm. And just kind of some things that were going on, you know, in our, in our personal lives, it was obviously a tough year for everybody, you know, lost some people, um, lost quite a few people actually in the last year. So just kind of a dark, (laughs) a dark time, but you know, that song, I'm really excited to put it out because, um, it's kind of writing that song was, was really healing for me and, and cathartic for me and, it's really about being lost and finding yourself again. And, and I think that that's sort of set the tone for this next body of work. Um, you know, it's almost a rebirth. It's, it's really about healing and, and soul searching and, um, you know, obviously to get, to get to the light, sometimes you have to face the dark a bit and that's just kind of the overall vibe. Mm-hmm. I love that. And especially, I mean, now it kind of is even relevant to what's currently happening, hopefully. Like, I mean, as far as music goes and the light being kind of there, like people are yeah. starting to announce tours and shows and it's like, yeah. is this going to be over <laughs> soon? Hopefully. I yeah. mean, it sounds like it might be, I mean, does that must bring you guys some hope as far as like putting in your next piece of workout and being able to actually, get out in front of people and, and play these songs. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think that last year was the year that anybody thought it was going to be, but I, I you know, know, at the very least, uh, at the very least, you know, we learned a hell of a lot sure. <laughs> about um, who we are and who we want to be and um, how we want to live. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we're not, I know I'm not, especially after my accident, you know, just not taking my life for granted, you know, not taking my body for granted, not taking the people that I love for granted. Um, it's just kind of a, it's a young attitude to have, you know? Um, so part of getting older is just kind of, I think realizing that, you know, this is all we have is now. And so, you know, like don't take it for granted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I love that. Um, I'm on a positive note and I'm kind of curious now. Yeah. I, I thought you guys were married, but I wasn't hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, when, when did the, were you guys, was the band going when you guys got married or were you married? And then the band, it was, it was like all everything all started at the same time. Basically. Okay. Yeah. We, we like, I mean, because we grew up together. So I right. grew up in, in his parents' house anyways. And then we lived there for a while. We also lived with my parents for like six months in the beginning. But we kind of started dating at the same time as we formed the band. And we pretty much moved in together like immediately. So you when I- each other for college, right? Yeah, it just kind of happened. It wasn't really this big decision. It just sort of happened. <laughs> I mean, all, you know, it's like our parents lived 10 minutes away from each other. So it was like, if we got in a fight, I'd just be like, 
fuck you. I'm going to my mom's house. You know <laughs> right. <what I> mean? <laughs> <laughs> you want to go get dinner? Yeah. <laughs> I'll pick you up. That's awesome, though. So it, it all kind of happened to with it, yeah, with the birth of the band, so to speak. Totally. Yeah, it's all just tied into this one big <laughs> mess that you know sometimes results in. <laughs> Good music, I guess. Yeah. Sure, that's awesome. <laughs> but, no, it's, it's, uh... One big mess. <laughs> one big mess. Describe like your it. marriage. Yeah, no, that's one big mess with some music in between. <laughs> yeah. Happily married. Um, I love but, yeah, and I think this. I mean, uh, because we are married too, and we have you know our studio in our house too. It's like I think yeah. after this year and with this new rollout of Off My Ass and everything, we kind of just. Uh, we want to be sharing music with people in real time. Yeah. And uh, a lot of times it's like an album will come out and then try to, we'll wait for two years for the perfect time. And yeah. I think with this new wave and after everything that happened last year, we're just going to start pumping out, you know, new music all the time, all the time. And, and we so have it. We write a lot of music. We have okay. a lot of stuff that's just been sitting, taking up space on the hard drive from the last 10 years. So it's like, we're just like, we don't need to be precious with our songs because we'll just write another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, why, why wait and, and be precious with it when you could just like, just put shit out. I love that. Actually, that kind of leads into my next or next and final question for you guys is if you had any advice for aspiring artists. Uh, um, Get stuff out. So much advice. <laughs> yeah. so uh, much advice. Yeah. Um, but definitely... Uh, put out music consistently because that's how you get people interested. And I think it's also how you keep your fans interested and engaged with what you're doing. It's really up to them at the end of the day. Don't get swayed by the industry people. The record industry is crumbling anyway. They don't know what the fuck to do. They're like, oh, like, you know, it, people are going more independent now and cutting out like labels because it's like, what can you give us that we can't give ourselves? You know, um, so put out music regularly, I would say, focus on that and collaborate, even if it makes you uncomfortable, because chances are um, it's going to be really exciting and surprising and it's going to yield some really cool music that you wouldn't have made on your own. Yeah. And I think from from like a production, um, you know, standpoint for advice to um, I definitely think it's just really important to like follow your your sound like what you what you want to do don't get wrapped up in in too many trends or yeah. what music's like pop in at this time um you know and and just trust and trust in yourself um you know there's it's so easy um there's so many producers out there there's so much music being made i find myself even sometimes like oh i suck you know at these technical like making a drum beat all this stuff but one thing i feel like i've i've stuck to is just um, trusting my sound and like what I want to hear and, and just putting that out. So I think that'll get you farther than trying to follow to any trends or anything. Just really be true to yourself. 